Hello, everybody. Uh, this is Dale. I just wanted to pop in before we start the podcast because I have a little bit of explaining to do. Um, so what happened was, as you could probably already know, we had Dave Breckenridge back on the podcast, but we had a lot, stress a lot, of technical difficulties that in no way, shape, or form are my fault or reflect badly on my character. <laughs> so anyways, what happened was, usually we record we record the podcast by going live to Facebook. So we record a great big long like thing as it happens and I don't edit anything and I kind of just trim the beginning and then trim the end and then put it up as like a YouTube video and the recorded podcast. I like to do it that way because it makes it feel more natural and like more of a conversational tone. So you don't get like a more stuttery kind of podcast thing because I've noticed personally when I'm listening to a podcast and there's a lot of edits, maybe even if you don't consciously realize that they're there, you subconsciously pick it up and it kind of just makes you feel kind of, I don't know, like uncomfortable-ish, like, like someone's rushing you. Like, you know that feeling when someone's rushing you and you're like, eh? it just feels like that because the tone of the talking and stuff, like there's not the natural cadence as people are talking and so that's why in the past there's been a lot of ums and ahs in our podcast, which I'm fine with and I like to keep. Um, yeah, because I wanted to keep it natural. But since we had so much uh, problems with this podcast, I didn't want to scrap the whole thing because Dave has great insight on the topics we we're talking about because he's the managing editor of a major newspaper in Canada, the Edmonton Sun and the Edmonton Journal. So his take on the whole beheading thing, not like people not saying it's beheading was something I thought was valuable and I wanted to keep it. So I'm going to salvage the podcast, but I just wanted to pop in just to give you a little heads up that there's going to be a lot of edit, a lot of edits. And especially if you're watching this on video, it might look choppy. So there might be like a couple little seconds of black, not seconds, but like, like a microsecond because I wanted to kind of cut out where, the video froze or we lost Dave's audio and I wanted to leave in some of the points where like I was talking to myself with Dave gone because I figured in the podcast that might express to you guys, the listener, what had actually happened. But I, after editing the whole thing, I just felt like it would be fair to give you guys a heads up and be like, this is what's happening. Um, you will see edits like you haven't seen before on the podcast and then towards the end, Dave actually loses video completely and comes in as just audio. So basically, you're watching my face while Dave's talking and you just see my reaction, which it's not very entertaining. So I'm sorry for video watchers that this might be a little subpar of what you're used to. Like, you might not get this super great A. I was going to say sexual there, but I figured that's gross. You don't really want to hear that. So, uh, yeah, that's basically what happened. Um, I'm going to put this in before even the theme music starts, just to give everybody a little heads up. I'm not going to preamble, preamble, ramble on the preamble, ramble on the preamble too much, but I just wanted to give you all a heads up because I care about you and everybody's feelings are deeply important to me and the podcast as a whole. Thank you for your time, and now enjoy your regular scheduled podcast.
Hello, Internet. How are you? Sorry, we're a half hour late. It's all Dave's fault. No, just kidding. <laughs> we were having <laughs> problems with the Internet. Apparently, it's Saturday, and since it's fall and winter starting, everybody's on the Internet in the world, and it doesn't want to just uh, relegate specific bandwidth for the outrage factory. Which is an outrage. <laughs> Ironically. So um, it, what we're going to do is we've had problems. And the last episode, I don't know if everybody noticed, I kind of talked at the same time as Adrian. So we're going to do an awkward thing where I'll have a pause and then Dave will know I'm not trying to talk or whatever. So we don't talk as over each other as much. So if it's more awkward than my podcast usually is, I'm sorry, but it's free. You get what you paid for. <laughs> so the reason Hi. I wanted to have is this you paused. So I assume I can, I can say hello. Yeah, you could say hello. Sorry. I thought you were waiting for me to say something else. It's very awkward. We could do like... <laughs> could do like old uh, CB talk where it's after I say everything, I just say over and then <laughs> and Roger. Um, let me see. Okay, let's get into it. So Dave, I decided to have you on the podcast because you are a professional news person. Your title is, oh God, you told me last time you were on the podcast. I can't remember. You're editor of the of the Edmonton Sun? I'm the, man, uh, I'm the managing managing editor of the Edmonton Sun and the Edmonton Journal. I also host a podcast called 10-3. And so, yeah, I'm a, I'm a professional news person. Uh, yeah. I gave nice. up my amateur status years ago. <laughs> and now you're just cutting down. No uh, entry-level deals anymore because you used up all your seasons. Um. Yeah, I, I also want to recommend everybody go listen to 10.3. It's a news podcast, and they it's nice because you guys tackle one subject at a time on there, and it's only, what is it, 15 to 20 minutes long each episode? Yeah, about that, 15 to 20 minutes. You know, try and gives us enough time to get into a story, uh, but not so long that, like, it may be longer than you drive to work, stuff like that. We try and keep it brief for commuters. Um, but otherwise, yeah, we just like kind of drill down on one story that, uh, journalists in our company, post media, uh, have been working on. Yeah. So everybody should go, uh, listen to that. And there's no weird, awkward pauses in it. Like there is on here. Just my halting, uh, William Shatner style of speaking. <laughs> oh, I was going to ask you, can I get, since you're on this podcast, can I get a deal on Callaway clubs? since that's the uh, main advertiser on your podcast. <laughs> I, when I, when I get some clubs, I'll get you. Yeah. It's, I, I, sadly, I did not get out to play any golf this summer, but yeah, I, I think to have a sponsor. I think everybody was a little <laughs> pre uh, occupied with other things going on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, the, whole angle of the news insider thing I wanted to, so since we're having this awkward thing, I'll just set you up and then you could give us uh, your opinion on it. So in France, a couple days ago, a, a history teacher, I think he was in middle school was beheaded and by um, 
an Islamist, uh, Islamist extremist as a reaction to this teacher showing caricatures of Muhammad. And I don't want to talk about if this is good or bad or get into the murky quagmire of Islam, like violence in the name of Islam and stuff. Obviously, I don't agree with any violence on behalf of any religion. But uh, what I wanted to talk to Dave about was a lot of newspapers are s- approaching this story in different ways, like Reuters, which is the international kind of newswire for all newspapers to pick up, said that the history teacher was knifed to death, whereas other um, news organizations, even CTV News for like the Canadian angle are saying that it is a beheading. So I just wanted to get Dave's opinion on maybe why some news organizations aren't saying the words beheading, if it's too graphic of a description or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it gets pretty tricky. Even I saw one story where the headline referenced a stabbing uh, reference that this teacher was stabbed to death, and then the story itself referenced the fact that he was decapitated or beheaded. And I, I know that there are some sensitivities in the news business when it comes to words that get used in headlines. You want to be salacious, but at the same time, news organizations may, you know, not want to have some of the more graphic words on their homepage because they may consider themselves a family newspaper or something. I'm not sure that I necessarily buy into that argument um, or if people are making that argument, but I know there are certain things that come into play when you're writing headlines and when you're writing stories, even that sometimes there is a line that can, you can cross into being too graphic and that, you know, you've in Canada, there was the, the, um, gentleman on the Greyhound bus in Manitoba who beheaded somebody and who um, I believe was uh, cut out, disemboweled one of the victims on this bus uh, and, and was eating his insides. It's very, it was a very graphic story, but I also remember a lot of those details were reported in, in the news. And I think it, it is bizarre to see stories that just call something as stabbing when it very much does not sound like a, a stabbing. Even knife attack seems fairly sanitized for what actually happened to this teacher. All right. So I think we lost Dave. And I don't know. Do you guys want to just watch me talk to myself and Dave's still pitcher? I mean, I'm pretty good at talking, but I don't know if I'm podcast by myself with no one to bounce off of good at talking. I can, I can just bob my eyebrows up and down for a couple hours and nod <laughs> intelligently while you talk. Okay, perfect. Maybe, uh, maybe a plane flew overhead and the internet bounced off the bottom of it and went into a mountain. So it didn't work. So yeah. I just want to backtrack you a couple seconds. Cause um, you were, I think the last thing that came through, salient was you were talking about how some news sites don't want the bad words to show up on their homepage. So the headline will actually say something like knife attack or knife to death or stabbing. And then in the actual copy, it'll be, um, 
It'll just say like uh, what actually happened. Beheaded. Oh yeah, no wait, we got past that, and then we we're talking about the greyhound guy who was like eating the person's inside. Like I knew that the guy on the greyhound had cut the guy's head off. I didn't know that he like had disemboweled him and was eating that stuff. But I guess maybe I should have read more into it. You know, the term "bus better was thrown around. I can't see a reason why you would include it. Hmm. Can you can you hear me? Are you? Yep. Um, yeah. So I guess I'll just start paraphrasing for Dave right now because I work and Dave doesn't work. Like you think this would be my dream for the podcast where it would be like people have to listen to me because the other guest doesn't work. But that's Dave's supposed to be the smart guy who I sound smarter because I'm bouncing ideas off of him and then he backs me up. But I think. Yeah, it might even have something to do with COVID, like just because everybody's been so stressed out for so long and they're so sad and they don't want to just start throwing in super sensational words into the media like decapitation and stuff because they want people to, I guess, still read the news. And then if you're all like bummed out because you're worried about dying from COVID, you don't really want to go searching out super bad news and stuff is that you coming through again this is awesome i guess i could just show people my edmonton cup that i was drinking out of uh because dave's on here and it's one of those starbucks uh your city cups this is this is great podcasting dave just sent a message to me over the thing that he didn't hear a word so so I'm I'm gonna send David chat message. Maybe go try going audio only. See if that clears it up. It's funny because it's like we've basically everybody's been doing Zoom for seven months. You figure the internet would work. Like last time we did I did the podcast with Dave, we had these issues, and then he switched to a different computer to the one he's using now and then it just worked fine so the logical conclusion to all of this is dave's house is haunted and since halloween is coming up the ghosts are acting up and they're getting more malicious and violent because they don't want dave to have the ability to send a cry for help over the internet when they're trying to haunt him until he goes insane him unfortunately him and his family so i mean i don't know if you believe in ghosts or not but this is pretty primate like i that's the only explanation the only explanation for dave's terrible internet is ghosts maybe aliens definitely not sasquatch but i'm gonna side with ghosts so yeah Back to what we were talking about. I think what Dave, what Dave was trying to say was like, um, I worked with Dave in the news room in Calgary for a bit on, at the Calgary Sun. I was just a graphic designer. I had no say in what would go into the headlines or the copy or anything. Like I, I could like sometimes, sometimes they let me edit it and say if like certain words were bad or they could be, uh, used like spelled wrong and stuff. But a lot of the time 
what they want to do is like that old saying, if it bleeds, it leads. So you'd figure all these news organizations would just be like, this person was decapitated, blah, and then just like hit you hard because it's like you hear decapitation. You're like, well, that's a news story I'm going to read, whether I feel good about it or not. That's I don't know how you'd say it's interesting. It's not like you're super pumped to hear about a person who got decapitated. I guess you're just super pumped. I don't know, like bad news sells too. Like I, I already said, if it bleeds, it leads. And then the, yeah, I guess the other example, like the Canadian version, like um, Dave was talking about, like the guy on the Greyhound, the bus, He like people were throwing around words like bus beheading and stuff. But this was like, this was in a different time. This was like pre- like it happened when Twitter was around, but it wasn't like current day Twitter where basically Twitter's everywhere. And that was back when I guess Twitter was still a novelty and it wasn't considered a platform. Remember the old days of Twitter when you could just like had your phone that didn't do like videos and stuff and you had and like Twitter was set up so that you could text a number to like you send a regular text message to a number and then that number bounced it up onto your Twitter account. And that was like the whole genius of Twitter was you could send a message to the internet with your text messages because back then, like, what was this 11 years ago, I guess like pre 2010, we didn't really have, we had the internet, but we didn't have data and mobile phones and stuff. I guess Dave's just gone now. Like his, video is like frozen frozen now at least at least we got your luscious voice we'll just well i guess we all we saw what you sounded like so now we're just gonna have to hold that vision in our mind and i'll just have to deal with the video being on me the whole time usually i take that opportunity to take a drink or make lewd gestures but i guess i won't so But we're going. Yeah, we're going. So that's this good. is good. Well, I guess what the fair thing to do was I was just, while you were gone, I was just talking about how you and me work together at the Calgary Sun. And I didn't really have any editorial sway because I just uh, designed news infographics and stuff. But it was like, I remember there's a lot of discussion about what goes into the newspaper and what doesn't. Yeah. And the, I guess the biggest example I always cite for this was in... I think it was what Sparwood, BC, there was a mentally challenged person who had kidnapped a boy that he had like, he was like his caretaker at some point, not his caretaker, but like he babysat the boy or he pre-knew the boy and he kind of like, and it was all weird. And ultimately, thank God, nothing happened to the boy, but there was all these, um, stuff that we knew as a newspaper that the police had told us that we decided not to publish. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny. I don't remember those discussions. <laughs> um, I remember that story though, but I don't remember some of the, and those may have been had ab- above my pay grade at mm-hmm. the time, but well, I think like, sorry, here's now that I can cut you off. <laughs> there you go. Um, I didn't want to say like, it was an open discussion in the newsroom. I just, it was discussions that, like you said, were above our pay grade. But then I, 
through the grapevine, heard about the stuff that was gross and wasn't involved in this in the article. Um, if you know me, I'll tell you on the side. I don't really want to put it out there because whatever. But yeah, I just wanted to. Yeah, so I guess yeah, just keep talking like I never interrupted you there. Yeah. <laughs> but it is it no, but you're right. There are things that that people will learn about. Um, there was a there was a story of a uh, former uh, MLA in Alberta who was charged with sexual assault. There were uh, some things about the case that were covered under a publication ban because they would identify the victim. So we were legally we weren't able to report on those. But then there was like there were details that were available in the charge sheet when we when we pulled the court records on this guy that were details about what this individual did to his victim um that would have been legally okay to report them but at the same time they're just unsavory details that don't necessarily need to go in a newspaper in a way because they sensationalize the crime and you're only putting it in there to um be overly salacious and again i guess that comes back to the argument about using the term decapitated or beheaded are you putting it in there because it's a fact and you know, people deserve to know what the assailant did to this individual to show the brutality of the crime and the overreaction to, I I understand the religious reasons regarding the depiction of the prophet Muhammad. And again, I know we're not having that discussion uh, about whether it's right or wrong, do it, but it certainly isn't right in my view to cut someone's head off because they depicted the prophet. Um, and I feel that in a case like that, it's warranted to let people know the brutal, the, the brutal nature of the crime. That's not sensationalizing it, in my view. And I think mm-hmm. that those are those kind of discussions that get had with news organizations where um, you have to kind of weigh the details and then decide what kind of meets your bar Um or kind of crosses your line. I, I remember an instance when I was working in Calgary on Night City Desk, and we picked up a story from the Edmonton Sun out of court. And it was a horrible story about a father who had, you know, abused the, the kids in his home, and I'm, I believe even the wife in his home. Um, and the judge used the phrase that, like, he ran the house like he was the king of the castle. Mm-hmm. And the reporter at the time decided to put in his lead that um, he, he also had, the judge also admonished this dad. So the reporter decided to use the phrase king of the castle and also dirty rascal in the lead for his story. And I felt that that was in poor taste. Um, that is, and so I'd in, agree with I you. Co- That's poor taste. So, but again, I, so I phoned my colleagues in Edmonton at the time. This is, this is going on gosh, 11, 10, 11 years ago now. Um, and I phoned the, my colleagues at the Edmonton Sound at the time and I said, um, are you going with that as something that's past the editor stage? And the night state editor said, oh yeah, no, it's fine. And I kind of said, okay, well, I just, I wanted to phone and make sure because it kind of caught a lot, it raised a lot of flags down here. And obviously, like I, it goes back to the discussion earlier, newsrooms will have kind of different standards for what they feel is acceptable. Some may be a little looser, some may be a little tighter. Um, but, you know, like everyone knows the famous headline 
headless body and topless bar, right? It was a New York Post headline. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's it's for music, but it's one of those things like it's evocative. And that's what, in a lot of ways, the news strives to be is evocative. Um, and I think in a way that, again, there are lines. That one, headless body and topless bar is obviously sen- being sensational, but it also is being truthful. Yeah. You know, that that's what that is and that's what happened. And that's what news organizations try and do is reflect what is happening in the world to their readers or viewers or listeners. So I don't know. It, it, it comes back to the discussion that we were having about, you know, what the, this assailant did to this teacher in France. He cut his head off. He decapitated him that I wouldn't shy away from those kind of details. Yeah, I know. Like it, it makes sense to say that he decapitated the person because I feel like when you cut someone's head off saying they were decapitated is just like, yeah, this is objectively what happened. And so I I think I was more surprised by it because like you said, you want to, you want to use evocative headlines and stuff and missing it and putting knifed to death. Like this Reuters article said, like it just sounds awkward and bad English like you don't it doesn't even say it's I guess actually it's like the uh, hanged to death like you can't say someone was hung you have to say they were hanged to death because it's some sort of like spelling and grammar like pedantic thing so maybe I could see they were going for that sort of deal like it was like a pedantic like old school editor who wanted it to be like literarily correct and and kind of shy away from the uh, sensationalization. Yeah. Is that the proper that's, way that's to true. say, and there, you know, like, sorry, I cut you off to say, which I was going to say, is that the proper way to say stabbed which. was knifed to death? No, I like stabbed to death, fatally stabbed. They were, I mean, a fatal knife attack. All of those are true. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if a stabbing is true. Again, it, it's one of those weird, dark discussions that you'll have sometime in a newsroom where, and especially when like we'll get press releases from uh, the police where they talk about an edged weapon attack. And what does that mean? What does yeah. edged weapon attack mean? Were they hit with a cleaver? Were they stabbed? Were they, was it a piece of glass? Was it a knife? Was it a, like in the, in the sanitizing of language, you also lose clarity. I remember reading an essay by George Orwell when I was in journalism school. I had to take a grammar class and it was one of the best classes I took uh, because we talked about language kind of more broadly and and um, that this essay from Orwell talked about in a way that like once you get into jargon and and even sanitizing how you portray things, it loses clarity and it loses impact. And that's one of the things that that you know, we try and impress on writers all the time is write clearly, write what happened, be, don't get sucked into using the jargon that other people will use because in the last 30, 40 years, there's been a whole industry around communicating in a way that may be more appropriate for an organization to think about their, their business. But at the same time, it doesn't work in reporting news because things get lost in between between or people become become less clear um and want to make sure that we're presenting accurately what was said and what was happened 
uh, what has happened, or even, you know, if a company makes a change in their operations. And Alberta government just announced recently that they're going to. You were like good right up until you started talking about what happened in Alberta. Like you're like, you're basically what you said was, it was, it's weird because it started getting choppy and then it just got choppier. Like it was like, you know, when you on a podcast, when you like, if you're listening to it and you put it up to like one and a quarter speed and it like sounds skippy, but you could still hear the words. It was doing that to you. And then once you started, the the government's listening in. Yeah, that's like the click of being like, um, like clicking in and being like, oh, and then, yeah, it's probably the government slowing us down. When you were gone, I was saying it was probably ghosts in your house. So I don't want to, um, cause you abject terror or anything, but (laughs) after this podcast, maybe take a look around your house to see if there's ghosts, like, uh, if there's slime on your walls or if you have weird magnetic readings or if you have hot or cold spots in your house (laughs) always always our house is haunted so no what i was so about i'm not saying that the the alberta government did this but i'm using this as an example so the government announced they were they were essentially going to downsize eleven thousand positions from alberta health services um, because they're going to contract out laundry and food services and stuff and you could see an organization turning around and saying, you know, we've opted to restructure that will lead to the um, displacement of a number of jobs in several different departments, but these will be, um, there'll be extraneous positions. Like the way that organizations talk nowadays, it can become harder to get a clear meaning. And news organizations, I think, really have to fight hard against that to get to a clear meaning. So I, Mm. I look at, like, I get frustrated if a news organization uses language that isn't clear and, and saying that someone was stabbed to death when they had their head cut off isn't clear. Yeah. That's, that's a very good example. Like, yeah. Like what you were saying when they said they were downsizing the health staff or whatever, that just to me, as a person who doesn't know what's going on in the back, it makes it sound like they're just letting go of the front line, like the nurses and the doctors and stuff. And I'm like, why would you have less staff that are going to help right now, especially during COVID? But so even in their headline, they should be like, the government is releasing support, not support, because that sounds like, um, I guess you would say. That sounds like. Like orderlies and nurses and stuff. Yeah, no, yeah. I know what you mean. Is it? You're right, and maybe even our headline. I'd have to look up the headline on our story, but maybe even the headline on our story wasn't clear enough because it may have led people to believe that it was nurses and doctors when it's they're contracting out food service staff and laundry staff and people like that. At the same time, you know, there's arguments that say that you want you don't want to do that. There's that's the back and forth right now, but that's mm-hmm. a whole other story. It's yeah, like the the debate over clear language is something, and especially in the last year or so, I've you know it it is interesting that, and maybe it's very inside baseball and very nerdy, uh, but it's something that I really try and pay attention to it when I'm editing stories that we're putting out and we're writing headlines, and we want, I want to make sure that we are clear and concise and it makes sense, mm-hmm. and there's no ambiguity. That's good. Um, 
I don't know. I th- like you. You might think it's nerdy, but I think a lot of people, especially right now, like they want to know all the stuff that's going on in the news. They want to know how, like, you as an editor are humming and hawing and like struggling over what words exactly to use to get the message out the best. Because right now, it just feels like journalism in general is taking a hit because Trump's calling everything fake news. And newspapers are dwindling and like shitty blog posts are on the uprise. So it seems like I feel like people knowing what's going on behind the scenes will actually kind of be almost like a redemption, redemption, sorry, a redemptive narrative for journalism, I guess. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I agree. And it's just it's one of those things that's also hard to talk about because we also don't like being a part of a story. Mm-hmm. I'm, I don't, you know, I, but I'm happy to talk, talk to anybody and try and offer clarity. And on, if people come at us on social media because of the way a story is framed, I will try, not in all cases, because I could spend all day on Twitter arguing with people. But, you yeah. know, if, if I feel that there's a value in the conversation that's had, um, I will have those. I, I will have and I have had those conversations with people to try and explain why why something was done the way it does. Sometimes people are still mad at the decision that we made, but other times they at least get a sense of, well, okay, well, that makes sense. And they'll say, thank you for, for having that conversation because it is, that's, you know, as much as we don't want to admit it, engaging in this kind of public forum is part is in a way, part of the job. Now. It's a frustrating part of the job, but, or it can be uh, very aggravating, but it, it is a part of the job in a way it may you know, 30 years ago, there was no social media. You'd have a cell phone, you know, people have a letter or they'd phone you and then you'd have a, you know, potentially civil conversation on the phone, but it wasn't like someone tags you in a tweet and then tags your paper and tags your boss. And then you have to reply, but then someone else doesn't like it and they get, you know, it becomes a piling on and that, mm-hmm. that can be frustrating. Uh, but it is, it feels like, well, that's where the people are now. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Like, um, yeah, I remember e- when emails first started, that was a big thing. Like, uh, like pre Twitter and stuff, if I feel like everything was just sent in emails and that was like a little bit easier to ignore because like you said, like these people are tagging you in their tweets, they're tagging your boss and then they're tagging the paper in general. Whereas before, like when people would complain on email, it was like, nobody else but the person receiving the emails could read those so it wasn't like as much putting you on blast but i guess they could have still cc'd your boss and emailed you directly but i guess the public wouldn't in general wouldn't be seeing these emails because uh yeah we know how easy it is to hide emails don't we (laughs) (laughs) I don't. I don't want anybody to think that's a segue because I don't want to fucking bridge that topic at all. Um, that's a good segue, though. If we that that was a good segue, thing. but uh, I do not want to talk. Like what? Uh, what I could segue into was that Trump was going to try disclose all the information on Hillary's emails or whatever. But that seems like five years too late, and we were all sick of that yes. discussion before the last election. God knows nobody wants to hear about those fucking emails now. 
just like it's BD. Yeah, but there's a whole new set of emails. Is there? Oh no! Oh yeah, the new there's emails. Biden I, emails. Oh yeah. Hey, there we go. Let's let's just okay. So what we'll do is we'll talk for about the Biden emails for a bit because I feel like we covered the whole press thing, and this is actually still to do yeah. with the press was um so all these emails about Hunter Biden, which is Joe Biden's son about how he had all these interactions with a energy company in uh, the Ukraine. And so this like all ties into Russia gate and everything. Sorry. What did you say? I just said, I echoed your call of Ukraine. Oh, I was doing like that beastie boys rap thing. When like you <laughs> emphasize a word. And- <laughs> nice. So kind of off topic, but if I was a person who was running for office in the Ukraine, I would like, I would run on a platform of rejuvenization and revitalization and I would call it new crane. What do you think? That's awesome actually. Yeah. But it's a little too close to nuclear and the whole Uh, Chernobyl thing. Ooh, that's a good call. That's a good call. I wonder if they're still sensitive about that whole thing. Well, it was super popular on Netflix. So they could get some cachet there. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And then, and then, um, and then, uh, what's his name? Not Boris Yeltsin. Uh, what is the leader of Russia's name? Putin. Why can't I remember? Putin. Um, Vladimir Putin might take that a little too literally as well. And think, yeah, oh, yeah. A- so, that- I mean, it is. Yeah. Ukraine Sorry. is like, there's a revitalization slogan is pretty good, but it's also a little close to some kind of yeah. scary history. Oh, so what, what, what we'll do is I will use Ukraine just for like outrage factory, outrage factory stuff. And then nobody will get mad because the Russian government doesn't care what happens over here. If it's in the media, <laughs> here, here you go. Here's a, a, here's a better one. Yeah. Um, the, this is, uh, you're going to run on a campaign of engaging the electorate and being very mm-hmm. democratic. And mm-hmm. your slogan is I put the U in Ukraine. <laughs> That's good. And it has a tinge of sexuality, which makes everything better. Like there's a tiny bit of innuendo with the putting you in something. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. So if I'm talking about how to sexualize the word Ukraine, let's go right back to Hunter Biden and these emails. <laughs> so are you familiar with this whole subject? Because I, this is one of those things. Sorry. It was like Q and on last week, how it's like you hear about it over months and it's kind of like, you kind of think, you know, what's going on, but you don't. So it's like, I'm going to give you my gist of what happened and then you feel free to correct me. So the way, okay. the way I feel happened was um, this was pre 2000, like that way back when when um, Joe Biden was still the vice president, so that would have been during the Obama presidency, um, Hunter Biden became yeah. a somehow employed by an energy company out of the Ukraine. And so the guy who is in charge of this company based in the Ukraine talked to Joe Biden and somehow wanted him to get rid rid of one of the persons in the government of Ukraine who was responsible for um, regulations and stuff. So they wanted to get rid of that person so that this company could make 
more money by not following certain regulations. And then Joe Biden said he was going to withhold a certain amount of, I think it was in the billions of funding to the Ukraine if this person didn't step down. And then ultimately that person stepped down and then we just went on our merry little way. And now it's coming back to haunt him. Is that correct? Yeah. That's, that is my basic understanding of it as well. I think that um, I know that there was a Senate investigation into it. And my understanding is the Senate investigation found that there was no wrongdoing on the part of Joe Biden. But again, we're not here to litigate what Joe Biden did or what Hunter Biden did. Um, the whole, yeah, I mean, because, <laughs> because of this, but like it, our opinion on what, on what happened in 2015 or 2014 or whenever it was, we can't do anything about it. The American voter will decide whether they, they buy the New York post story or they believe that Joe Biden did something shady and they may or may not vote for him. Just like the American people decide that Donald Trump did something really shady to get impeached because Donald Trump got impeached this year. If you can believe it. Oh yeah. Still this year. Hey, remember uh, when we <laughs> thought he was gone? They're like, the, Oh, you know, he's the impeached. hellfire of 2020. Yeah. He was impeached. He's not going to be president anymore. And it's like, now he got impeached. And he just fucking ran right through, didn't care. And now he's like still running for reelection. Like, and everybody's like, wait, I thought if he was impeached, that means that like, for me personally, I was like, well, if he's impeached, then at the very least, the Republicans are going to have to find another guy to be the head Republican to run for the presidency. But nope, it's just, he's impeached. He's like, yeah, he impeached me, nope. but, uh, brushes off the shoulder nothing happened i'll see you in a couple months when i'm gonna be the president again yeah so again well like we're not here to litigate that but what i what was really interesting so the new york post has this story because they have hunter biden's emails because he took his computer in for repair and place in delaware and then just left it, it there. somehow his hard drive and just he just left it there, never came back for it. And then somehow the hard drive got into the hands of um, Rudy Giuliani's lawyer. And then like, the whole thing is bonkers. The whole yeah. trying to explain the ins and outs of the story is bonkers. But then so the New York Post runs this story. Then everyone starts trying to poke holes in the New York Post reporting. Uh, like you can go to Snopes and read a whole takedown of the reporting in the New York Post. But then some somewhere... Twitter and Facebook basically say like, yeah, no, you can't share that on our platform. And then all of a sudden it's like the Facebook and Twitter carrying water for the Democrats, despite the fact that, you know, Facebook is like the biggest stories on Facebook right now are um, Republican centered stories or shared from right wing sites. Um, anyway, so there's this whole, there's this whole argument of, the New York Post story, it gets blocked from sharing on Twitter. Twitter does a horrible job of explaining why it's being blocked from being shared on Twitter. Accounts get suspended because they're trying to share it or get threatened to be suspended if they don't take down their tweet. And it just is a whole mess for the social media companies. Um, and the New York Post, it's a lot of free advertising out of it. For their yeah. story, everyone's curious about what the story says. And so I think the story has less than it may have had had the story just went out there and then everyone had a chance to debunk it. You know, as someone who works at a news organization, if someone finds cracks in our reporting and they want to 
come at us and say, this is wrong, this is bad. I would hope that that's not the case. I hope that we don't have people writing stories that full holes. But like that's one thing. But to have a social media company say, well, no, you can't share it. It'd be one thing for them to say, like they've done with the president, this tweet contains inaccurate information and put a warning on it. That'd be one thing. But to have the company turn around and say, no, you can't share it. We don't like what is in it is bad. We don't want it shared. That's a whole other level of, uh, of like, is it censor? Yeah, I guess it would be censorship. You can't share this. So it's been censored. Yeah. Um, like I was a, thinking. It's a slippery slope. Oh yeah. Sorry. I was going to say, I was uh, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on was to talk about this, but also to ask you about the New York post specifically, because I've, never really heard of the New York post. I mean, I mean, I'm not paying attention to East East um, coast uh, U S newspapers and stuff, but basically the way it got treated, I was like, is this like the equivalent of the weekly world news? Like, is this just one of those news organizations that just like um, spreads BS? And then if it's, if so, then I'm okay. Like if the weekly world news had this story and you'd be like, well, it's the weekly world news. That's not true. Uh, like if it was like no, a known false commodity newspaper, then I'm okay with them ba- like banning it. But like you said, it's crazy that Twitter said you can't share this post. And then even like somehow <clears throat> banning the link, like the actual link to the story. If you would put that in the tweet, the tweet wouldn't go through. Mm-hmm. So, like, this is one of those weird, like, gray areas where you're like, well, what, like, since Twitter isn't really sort of like a service or a, like a government platform, and they are like, like you could say that's a private company, so they are allowed to kind of do stuff like that. But at the same time, I feel like News, New York Post should kind of... um sue them for defamation like not like direct def- like twitter never said hey new york post is full of shit don't read it but the fact that they're banning it and not letting you put up the article itself is kind of like passively being like yo don't read this it's not real it's like it's basically like we're fake news or they're fake news or whatever so if i was the new york post i would definitely sue them and be like by their not allowing us to be posted on like not even just banning the New York Post's Twitter account, not letting anybody like not letting me put the tweet up to the news story is like saying this is fake. Don't trust this source. Like, I guess they still kind of drove um, traffic to there. But do you know what I'm trying to say? Do you think that they could sue them? Yeah. Well, I don't know if they could like again it, in America. It's really hard to prove like the the defamation law in the states. I think is really errs on the side of the First Amendment, right? And so I don't know if they could if the New York Post would. I don't know enough about American law, but my I look at it as not necessarily a defamation. Piece. I think that you're right. I think that by by blocking story, they drove more people externally to the New York Post who are curious about this bad day than had to just let it go. Um, as I say, I've, I've read, I've read takedowns of the reporting that say, this is this questionable. This, these are screenshots. So I don't know if the emails are real or 
you know, there, there are other problems with the reporting for those who are on there. If you want to go kind of dig into this more there, I'm sure you can Google like fact checking the New York post Hunter Biden article, and you can get a breakdown of the ins and outs there. Um, if there are legitimate concerns with a news story, I don't see an issue with putting a warning uh, yeah. with a tweet. I don't like the idea of Twitter blocking links from legitimate news organizations. And people listening may say, well, the New York Post is just a tabloid rag. They're like they're kind of the equivalent of the UK Sun. They're like an American version of the UK Sun. They're a conservative tabloid, um, very oh, okay. sensationalistic uh, news organization. And um, they've been critical of Joe Biden. Um, you know, oh, I just don't thing... like, I, I don't like the idea. Yeah. Like if enough people like didn't like, and I know that I'm the example I'm going to use is opinion columnist, but if like, if Twitter started blocking opinion columnists because they didn't like that columnist's opinion, like that's not where that such should go. The, uh, the whole idea yeah. is for people to tweet out opinions and videos and like engage in debate and be controversial. And I don't know. I just don't, the whole idea and Twitter's excuse came way too late. And like, they didn't communicate that at least in their reasoning, it's because the screenshots in the link had personal information that would violate their terms of service. Like I'm not supposed to go tweeting information about you, your email address or where you live or any, mm -hmm. anything like that that would violate their terms of service. Um, so that was Twitter's rationale was that, you know, don't like it because it contained all this personal information, but that came yeah. way after the fact. One Damage aside I wanted to bring up, sorry, one aside I wanted to bring up, like, yeah, they, their excuse was that they showed the emails of Hunter Biden and the guy who owned this car or who was like, part of the uh energy company from the ukraine but one of the weirdest things was that the guy from the ukraine his email address was a gmail address which you figure if you're like this big corporation you'd at least have like a dot com like spec like um company specific email that's just like yeah. another side but what i think what the sun should have done was been like okay if we're not allowed to show these email addresses and then just do like the little redacted line over their email like a little black bar over hunter's email and the other guy's email and then be like okay twitter we fixed it and then see what happens yeah yeah i mean i to be honest i haven't gone back and looked at the story um recently but i don't think that they've taken anything out i think they're making a stand here and saying this is ridiculous and yeah um because they're not tweeting they're not directly tweeting that information either right like mm. the information is contained in a link and i don't know like at what point it's does twitter get to say what you can put on your own website even yeah if, exactly. like even if you buy that argument like mm -hmm. we decide what goes on our website you can't decide that we can't put a link up because what we do on our site you wouldn't allow on your site. Right? Yeah, exactly. Like, like if I, you know, yeah, I get what you're saying. Like you're, they're saying you uh, broke the terms of service because you're showing someone else's email, but uh, the New York post could be like, well, we're not showing that email on your site. We're showing it on our site and just linking to the article that shows this. So I I'd agree with you. Like they should definitely not be allowed to yeah. not 
link something like even have a warning like warning this shows the person like the personal email address of blah 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 so it breaks our services or our code of service or whatever it's called yeah i don't know i'm i'm ultimately i'm with yeah. you they could so, both it, parties could have held, held this differently yeah it is it is one of those stories where you kind of look and think like wow like this is social media plays such a huge role in political campaigns now. And I understand that there's concerns about how it's utilized to either manipulate or to uh, obfuscate or to misrepresent things. And it's done, that's done all the time. Um, hilariously, like just yesterday, I think it was, uh, Donald Trump was tweeting out what he thought was a headline that proved that Twitter was censored like was blocking the new york post because the story was mean to joe like that was the tweet but it came from a parody news site <laughs> of course donald trump Fuck. on the other hand i hate parody news sites like the beaverton and stuff it's like i don't know i feel like they're just old people traps that are just set up to con- like trick old people like in news regular newspapers like say the edmonton sun wants to run something that's an ad they're not allowed to use the same font they have to put at the top of the page this is an advertisement and they have to make it like clearly recognizable as not regular news copy but like you have all these sites that are just like trying everything they can to be conceived as regular news sites but it's like a lampoon site yeah yeah i mean that gets like some of them are more obvious than others like the onion is very obviously satire it's Mm -hmm. and there are some that are hew a little more close to the truth or they cut a little too close to the truth and so it can be misconstrued i'm not as concerned about those but it is funny to see that the president of the united states actually tweeted that out yeah. As saying, see, we were right. Twitter did it because, but it's like, no, the Babylon Bee is very much not a real news site. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that, uh, that he's just like, if he missed his chance to just be like fake news, like all someone had to be was like, that's literally fake news. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I mean, that's, but it's, but that's the accusation against Twitter, right? They did it because it was mean to Joe Biden. And that's, yeah. you know, Twitter has to wear that for a while. Like it doesn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't a good look on them. And I think it helped amplified the story in the post. I think it did the opposite of what, if it was blocked for the reasons that they said, I think it was pretty weak. If it was blocked for the reasons that everyone thinks that they did, it didn't work anyway. Cause everyone has still been talking about the New York post story. Yeah. Ironically, every time somebody sides with the Democrats and tries to like push down Trump, it just has it has the opposite effect. Like, if anything, this helped Trump, not because it made Joe Biden look bad, but it made it look like Twitter is clearly biased on the side of the Democrats. And then people like see this and they're like, wait, what's all the other what other stuff is biased against the Republicans? And it's like. Then you get like it's like you start getting into this like, and then you got to get into all the shadow banning of like Republican and right wing accounts and all this stuff, and then it's just like the major damage that this is going to cause is it's going to delegitimize other actions that other places had taken against like right wing or Republican accounts that they were completely justified in, like 
if some super right wing thing was saying something bad and hate speechy and it got banned for that and it should have been banned and that ban would have been upheld. Now everybody's going to take a second look at it and be like, but they banned this other thing wrongfully. Is this one rightfully yeah. banned? Yeah. I mean, and that's why you get sites like parlay or parlor or whatever. I think it's called parlay. It's like a no censor Twitter. Oh I don't yeah. Know how it's doing. I think a bunch of, yeah. Like it's one of those weird things. The internet's a weird thing is it's, it's supposed to be like an open free thing, but it's also run by companies who have shareholders and images mm-hmm. and yeah. like, brands that they want. Like it's a, it's a bizarre hybrid where it's the wild west, but at the same time, it's very controlled. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe it's not all that it's cracked up to be. We yeah, should it's, just it's... all like kill the internet and <laughs> no <laughs> podcasts. Yeah. No Twitter. No, just go <laughs> talk to people on the phone. It's like then, uh, this, this thing I learned about in journalism school called advertiser chill. It's where like a newspaper or a news organization won't say something because they're scared that it will go against the beliefs of some advertiser and that it will just cause them to get less money. And that's basically the, what we're seeing with Twitter is they're like, they don't want to do all this stuff because it's in the long run, it's going to cost them money from certain advertisers and stuff. Do you want Dave? Do you want to close with that since it's six thirty and you said you wanted to get out of here on time? Not like last time where we had a ninety-minute episode. Well, it was good. It was a fun chat. I would like a ninety-minute chat today would have been good. I'm just a shame we had all the internet problems that we've been having. Yeah, that's fun to rattle off. But yeah, we should probably pop that. Sorry, I said yeah. We should probably wrap up with that one. <laughs> yeah. Right on my right on my poignant advertiser chill point. Um, yeah, so thanks again yes. for doing this. Sorry for everybody for the uh, problems with the internet. I take full responsibility. You could take it out of all the money you were going to pay me. <laughs> um, I will clean it up. <laughs> and I haven't decided if I'll leave the like live video as it happens on the Facebook site, but I will... I'll either replace that video with the the cleaned up one or I'll just put add the cleaned up one. I'll do that. Yeah. Or I'll add a link to the cleaned up one so you can give us YouTube views. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, Dave, uh, we there talked you about your podcast before. It was It's 10-3, right? 10-3. 10 slash 3. Oh, what's the significance of it's that? A, I uh, forgot to ask you last time. It's 10 provinces and three territories in Canada. We try and do stories from across Canada. We haven't done much on, on Northern uh, communities. um, But that's the goal is to kind of cover off Canada coast to coast to coast. Okay. Dave, it's okay. I heard their internet's worse than yours. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You can send all complaints about tonight's uh, show to TELUS uh, at TELUS. Um, Yeah. At tell us, I'm, I'm sure right they they are not getting their cry of uh, internet complaints at this point either. Um, yeah, and <laughs> if you want to see Dave's other work, just pick up an Edmonton Sun. Are you with the Edmonton Journal as well, or no? Yeah, we're all one big one big merged newsroom. Okay, yeah. So pick up either of those papers, and you'll support Dave. And uh, yeah, there you go. 
<clears throat> I think that's Thanks it. Thanks for having me on, Dan. Yeah, no problem. Right on. I love having you on. You're like, I was going to joke about how you're the most grown-up guest we have because, but I think you are, um, like your credentials and stuff. <laughs> Dave Breckenridge, most grown-up Outrage Factory guest. You could you could put that title there on your you resume go. if you want. I'm okay with it. <laughs> I'll change my Twitter bio. Put it on your LinkedIn page. <laughs> there you go. All right, everybody. Until next time, stay angry. You ready? Oh shit! You froze. Breaking. Yeah, sorry. I, I. This should be the whole show. This is still still gonna lag on you. I don't know what's going here. So how am I coming through? Am I coming right? Can you hear me? I I just heard that, but nothing before that. Ah. Scientific stuff that I don't know the answer to. Probably. But here's more accurate. A fatal knife attack is more accurate than a stabbing. Um, but I find it strange that if you have, I would like to err on this if you have the details, worth the details. Um, especially bird heading is stark. It is graphic. It is great, well, but it, it gets the heart garbled. of what happened to this individual. But there are different calls that news, newsroom make on a day to day basis around. Well, what is much what is free? And especially when you, when you start covering cases about um, things like true assault, that some of the details they discussed in cases, you know, I find that those can be too much to go into a new story. Um, and do in some instances have to sanitize what happened. But in this case, I did find it's just that organizations were going, were decapitating or beheading. Because that is precisely what happened to the teacher. Dave, you're frozen up. Um, yeah, so <laughs> sorry, everybody. Uh, yeah, it looks like Dave's having... I guess it could be me, too. I don't want to put all the trouble on but Dave. But, um... <laughs> oh, was I, like, paused up This all gets edited out. Oh, yeah.